0: How was your week? Uh, how was your week? It, it, it's been a while since we talked, How How's how have you been? I've been good. Uh,
1: just kind of readjusting to get back into the groove of school after being on spring break. Like Monday morning, sitting in my nine a.m. class, you would have thought we were all at a funeral with how sad everyone was to be back into school. But
0: <laughs> I, the show must go on. where'd you go uh uh, south padre island uh you go down to uh, fort lauderdale south beach where where did spring break take you
1: kansas city for one for not even a full day on saint patrick's day got up real early in the morning rented a car you know since i work at enterprise on friday and the next morning on saturday got up real early drove over to my buddy's apartment picked him up we got on the road Got to KC at about 10, kind of tooled around town, went and got some barbecue, tooled around town some more. And then I basically did 90 miles an hour all the way back to Omaha and then went to the uh, what I call the biggest white trash St. Patrick's Day party of all time because it was us three, me, him, and another buddy at this buddy's house with his wife and three kids and two dogs <laughs> out on his driveway grilling bratwurst over a fire pit. Because he, we he was out of propane. And we had, you know, kids, three kids under the age of eight running around. We had a dog carrying a stick, and the, the dog clothes lined the two year old to the ground with the stick. And none of us were wearing green. We were drinking Scheinerbach and eating Bratwurst like good Germans. Oh, sure. And, uh, we were sitting in a West Oakland neighborhood, I'm sure the neighbors just thought we were just fantastic people.
0: I can honestly say that... It was fun,
1: What's that? It was fun, though. I mean, it was, it was cold. It was damp. It was kind of drizzling we were out there, but it was a lot of fun.
0: For all the times that I've driven, you know, across Missouri, you know, shooting up uh, from Kansas City towards Nebraska... Uh, and, and vice versa, you know, making the return trip or depending on where I was living at the time was which direction was the return trip. I've never actually stopped to Kansas City, usually because when I'm on the road, I I don't stop. I mm-hmm. I stop for fuel. As I used to put it in my younger, less mature days, I uh, I fill up one tank and empty another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's about it. You know, I, I don't stop. I You know, I'll grab a... Uh, again when i was younger and had a uh uh i don't know more iron stomach you know i, I could do the 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 gas station sandwich you know out of the refrigerator uh that i think deli express might be the brand oh. or something like that you know get that and uh, a, a little bag of chips and, and go um but I've, I've never stopped in kansas city to partake in the barbecue and oh it's 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 good and, and everybody says that, but at the same time, like, I live near St. Louis, which is, you know, prides itself on its barbecue at the same time. And, and in fact, I live, it, I, I say this, I, I wouldn't do it just because it's kind of a main thoroughfare, you know, it's a main road. But I live within walking distance of what has been named the best barbecue in the St. Louis metro east area. Um, it was an accident that it happened like that. I didn't plan to move. You know, so close to fantastic barbecue, but I, I, I'm a proverbial stone's throw away from award winning barbecue. I don't know if I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Casey. I, I, I love barbecue, so I definitely go and check it out, but it's not ever been, you know, like, a, oh, let's pull off the interstate. Let's delay, you know, getting to the destination. Uh, we got to get some barbecue. I drove once from where we used to live in Salem, Illinois, to Scott's Bluff. In one day, going through three different uh, climates, when we left the house that morning, it was 70 degrees all across Missouri. It was raining and storming, and the western part of Nebraska was covered in snow because um, it was April. Uh, but I've never stopped to Kansas City. We did. my wife and I stopped one uh, small town. Outside of Kansas City, called Weston, Missouri. On a whim, mm-hmm. uh, I—it was actually what was it? It was 2008. We were—we uh we took a trip up to Shadron to visit uh, some some friends of mine because uh, I hadn't been up there, you know, in, after you know a couple years since I'd, I'd moved away, and I'd seen a billboard on the way through that that said, you know, like a, a visit. It was like a little Irish-themed store. I'm like, well, that'd be cool. So. On the way back, I said, hey, hon, you want to you know, pull off and, and stretch our legs a little bit? It's like the only time I've ever stopped. Um, and she said, okay, so it's a, west in Missouri. The store was called the Celtic Ranch. Uh, nice little store. We got some nice little trinkets uh, because uh, we both have some Irish heritage. Uh, her, a little bit more so than me, like her uh, dad's, how do I put this, her dad's, I guess her grandma's maiden name, probably the easiest way to put it, is like Callahan. Uh, so, you know, uh, and I've got, you know, a, a sliver, a small percentage as well. So we, we actually had an Irish-themed uh, wedding reception, um, which was more American-Irish than, like, you know, traditional Celtic. Like, we had bowls of Lucky Charms. We weren't getting carried away. Um you know, for people to snack on, but we stopped here, and in, in, you know, at this little store, Celtic Ranch, west of Missouri. Uh, nice little place. Learned learned a lot in the half hour, or so that we were there, and then we got back on the road. Um, so anyway, that's that's my Kansas City story. Someday, well, there's like an amusement park out in Kansas City. I like to go to Worlds so, of Fun. Yeah, I, I've never been. I've, I've, I always drove past it, and I was like, oh, that looks like fun. Perhaps even worlds there of many fun. Time. Is yeah. is it really worlds of fun? I mean, is, is it that much fun? It, it is pretty fun,
1: but here is my advice: go in October when it's cooler weather. Okay, don't go don't go in the middle of summer because the entire thing is blacktop. Gotcha. And it just radiates heat, and you know the worst thing about Missouri is the Missourians, and they all <laughs> smell.
0: <laughs> they all smell. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're we're again in our geographic location. We're ne- near enough to Six Flags St. Louis. Uh, that was always a big, uh, you know, fun time for me uh, as a kid. Uh, and then while I've only been there once, I really enjoyed going out to Indiana, to Santa Claus, Indiana, to Holiday World. Um, uh. Anybody, I know it's Indiana folks, uh, but if you ever want to do, you know, make the road trip, it is. it has the best roller coaster i've ever been on anybody that likes roller coasters you won't be disappointed when you go to uh holiday world in santa claus indiana and Haas, i think uh nobody's paying us to say any of these things so, so should we get on with the st- uh, start of the show
1: we should and we should also you know contact some of the places we mentioned to see if we can get some swag from them i
0: i would be happy with like a day past the six flags yeah, I'll take a
1: gift card to Oscars. You know, I mention them <laughs> many times. You know, tweet about them a lot. You know, if you're listening, anyone from Oscars, you know, you know, it's the guy who uh, does significant damage to your Coors Banquet supply.
0: Probably the only one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Beast Craft Barbecue, Belleville, Illinois. Uh, that that's that's the dare I say neighborhood barbecue joint. Uh, they could they could throw me a, a rack of ribs every week. I'd be happy. Uh, all right, so let's 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 start the show in three, two, one. Heart,
1: You've gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart.
0: What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by coordination.com, hosted on jitterymonkey.com, I almost forgot the, the, the next line there, I am Greg Mahochko, joined as always by Haas Reuter, I shouldn't say as always because Haas, you've had a, a couple weeks off, and yeah. uh, uh, the, not to say that you're not important or, or that you're expendable, but we, we managed to, to survive without you, but it's always good to have you back, buddy.
1: Hey, I'm glad to be back and again. Like I've always said, you're the skipper. Nope. You're the one who's irreplaceable here.
0: Nope. Um, if anything, I'm merely the professor. Because I'm just the guy who pushes the buttons. Well, you make sure the trains run on time. I, I guess. So, I, I I appreciate the vote of confidence. Um, yeah, so, how, uh, well, we've kind of already found out how you've been. Uh, <laughs> let, let's jump into it, because... It has been a couple weeks since we talked uh, Husker football. Uh, of course, last week was uh, the, the Greg Mahachko solo show, and it wasn't even me by myself because my son, uh, I, I started him out strong. He was sitting on the couch watching the Muppet Christmas Carol because Great. December, February, March, it doesn't matter, that one's saved on the DVR, and I'll put it on. And he'll he'll watch it pretty well and not, you know, cause any, any – mischief since i, I recorded in another room but he did decide uh, uh to to join me a little bit here and there but uh, that was last week and and uh, before that we had uh patrick and jill on to talk uh men's and women's husker hoops uh so it's time to get caught back up uh with the gridiron especially now that spring practices have started and uh, uh we've got some things to talk about
1: yes we do and it's, i know you're so excited good.
0: there there's there's two words. I don't even have to say I – I don't even need, really need to uh, put it as two words. There's a letter and a word. Let, this is going to get slightly dirty, so hold on. Uh, let me see your O line face, Hoss. Your O line face. Get it? No, all right. Uh, offensive line. I feel like that's where I want to start, and, and we – you are always eager to talk about uh, line play. Um, also sounds a little dirty. damn um, But one of the I'll, I'll admit folks, um, I have been busy this week. I've been working uh, four out of the five days this week. I probably put in about 12, 13 hour days um, on the road. so it's it, and I say that not to you know diminish other hardworking people who may have you know an office job, something like that, where they can look at a computer. But I haven't been at a computer. Uh, I haven't even been able to follow the Slack chat room as close as I, I should. So I catch a few things here and there. I catch a lot of things on social media. Uh, and Hoss, I, I catch a lot of things that you uh, retweet or quote tweet, uh, You know things like that when you add your comments. So one of the things that I caught was uh, the list of names that the the Huskers were trying out and getting some reps, some snaps at the center position. Uh, one of them that was mentioned is a, a player who, at least in his collegiate career, uh, has not uh, taken any snaps at center, at, at least in any live action, you know, game action. I don't know about his high school career, but we've talked about him and we we've talked uh, plenty of good things about him, but also with that that little hesitancy of, of uh, potential that perhaps is untapped and that's Tanner Farmer what what can you tell me about what is going on at the center position because uh, you know there's been some, some inconsistency there in the last couple of years yeah
1: um, you know right now we have our two top centers out from last year Michael Decker and Cole Conrad so with them being out for spring we're having to plug in different guys as we go through our install of the offense and start getting practice reps of the run plays and well, just not just the run plays, but the entire offense as a whole. So we have Tanner Farmer, Hunter Miller from Stromsburg and Matt Farniak's younger brother, Will Farniak, who's an early enrollee taking snaps at center and Farmer really intrigues me for the center position just because he's a mauler at the point of attack while he struggles to climb up to the second level, you know, to block a linebacker or pull around to the perimeter, if he's blocking a down defensive lineman, he's able to get his hands on him. Farmer wins those battles more often than not. With the amount of shaded nose guards and head-up nose guards that were that you see in the Big Ten, he should be able to hold his own on drive blocks and handling them one-on-one on his own without any help. And you know he's just a strong, naturally strong, functionally strong offensive lineman. So I'm I'm curious to see how that works out. And I don't really know much about Hunter Miller, the walk-on from Stromsburg. And Will Farniak, he's still pretty undersized. He came into the program at 260 pounds back in January, so he's got obviously some work to do in the weight room and at the training table and. Perhaps at the buffet table, <laughs> as time goes on, you know, get them up to three, you know, anywhere from two ninety to three ten. But I just feel like, even though you know we've discussed about Decker and Conrad being out for the spring, and they'll be back in time for fall camp. I just kind of feel like with the center position, when you have a when you have your top two out, and you're getting the guy snaps in spring ball as you're going through the install farmer likely will cement his status as the starting center, just because of the fact that he's going to have a leg up on the two incumbents heading into the fall. That's a hell of a thing to miss out on spring practice. And while you might be attending, you know, while you're still attending meetings, even though you're injured, you're still watching film, you know, experience is still the best teacher of anything. And so farmer's going to have a leg up on, Michael Decker and Cole Conrad ended in the fall, and if we can get even serviceable center play this season, I will consider that a victory.
0: Now, one of the things, like you mentioned, this is you know the the install off season, um, but every, all 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 the speculation and obviously nothing set in stone. We won't know anything until you know August September, um, but the. There's going to be like more of a simplification of what's going on up front, you know, on the offensive line and the schemes and blocking schemes. So, with that being said, and with the fact that Cole Conrad and, and Michael Decker both have that center experience, and they're going to, you know, a a simpler, you know, s- scheme. Do, I mean, does that, you know, help? benefit them at all i mean it, it's not like i don't know it, it what what i want is what every husker fan wants and that's the best uh person out there you know uh the best man for the job at, at that spot but what we have seen is that tanner farmer is you know he's got a few years now uh under his belt on you know starting not at center you know on, on the offensive line at at, uh, at at typically the guard position uh so wouldn't it benefit the team most to have him stay at the guard position or, you know, if he's at center, who's at guard?
1: Well, to answer the first question about benefiting, you know, from the Decker Conrad staying at center right now, as we go through spring ball, we have to find the best possible center that we have on the roster right now. So we can get things started. Um, well, I totally blanked out, and that's uncharacteristic. I mean, what was the second part of your question?
0: Uh, if if, uh, if Tanner's a center, who's a guard?
1: I would have to think Bo Wilson at right guard, or potentially you could see John Raritan at that spot. Uh, left or right, I think that the offensive line is likely going to be in. This some of the stuff that Greg Austin and Scott Frost have talked about in post-practice interviews. Heim, it's already well known that Brendan has slid over to left tackle. Gerald Foster is at left guard. Uh, Tanner Farmer at center. Bo Wilson at right guard. and Matt Farniok at right tackle. I kind of had maybe thought that Farniok would be at right guard, like he played for stretches of last season. And Matt Sichterman, who redshirted last year, would be at right tackle, but evidently, the staff likes Matt Farniak at right tackle, so you just got guys like Bo Wilson and John Raritan duking it out for those guard spots. Maybe uh, a Jalen Barnett, if he's in good game shape and ready to go. Uh, That's the thing that's exciting as you go through a scheme, you know, regime change and a scheme change. is Guys that may have been previously discarded by the former staff they get a new lease you know new outlook on things and they might benefit from that scheme change they might be more adept at doing some of the things that the scheme calls for than they were under the previous coaching staff so I'm really excited to see it take kind of begin to take root and see where it goes I think that you touched upon it earlier about the offense being simpler and it, it, one, it's an economy of concepts that Frost uses. He uses five or six base concepts in the running game, and he recycles them through various backfield actions and who's carrying the ball in the backfield, but it's all the same for the offensive line up front. And then also the, the defense wait, 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 is so wait, wait. spread out trying to defend the perimeter and defend you know space from the spread formations that they aren't able to pack it in, you know, in a seven-man box and uh, blitz and twist and stunt and play gap exchange games. They have to play it a little bit more honest, you know, straight up, and they're not able to communicate those gap exchanges and blitzes because the offense is operating at such a fast pace. So you see a lot of defenses just trying to play base and trying to staunch the bleeding as much as they can and just try to survive from play to play. So you're not going to be seeing, like, for instance, against Wisconsin, if we go 11 personnel with one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers, one of their outside linebackers is going to have to walk out to cover JD Spielman in the slot. And right there, instead of a seven man box, you got a six man box. You got five offensive linemen, one tight end against six defenders. If you're reading one of those on the zone read, you also have the added dimension of the quarterback run game. So really you're playing seven on six football right there or even eight on six. And it's just a numbers game at that point. And you're able to get a hat on a hat and sometimes even a extra hat on somebody. So (laughs) it just forces defenses to play it straight up. And in the process makes it much simpler for the offense instead of under with the Wisconsin game last year, for example, under Riley, we went so heavy in our personnel and our formations that we were so, everyone was packed in so tight to the line of scrimmage and in the box that one missed block and that guy comes free, he makes a tackle in the backfield for a loss. In the spread offense, there's so much room to operate that someone could potentially miss their block or not make the best block that they could have, but because everything's so spaced out and the defense has to defend so much territory, that defender who's unblocked still isn't in position to make a play on the ball carrier.
0: So, that was an awful lot uh, to chew on, which is great. Um, But in the course of your response, two football movie references came to mind. One, uh, I'll start with uh, we'll do them in order in in, in linear fashion. Uh, in talking about Tanner Farmer and, and how you you know said you know obviously the strength strength, but also functional strength rem- and because of his Greco-Roman wrestling uh, background, it reminded me of the replacements where uh. one of the uh, assistant coaches, I think he ends up being the defensive coordinator Asked Gene Hackman. Character about the the sumo wrestler. He's like, why why are you bringing in a sumo wrestler? He's like, well, what is sumo wrestling? Pushing a guy around. What do you think pass blocking is? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So that's one. The other one comes from a little movie known as Remember the Titans. Wow. Uh, when when you were talking about uh, uh, the Scott Frost uh, offense, and uh, now the the concepts are are different. But but when you said you know five or six different you know sets uh and, and blocking schemes things like that uh what came to mind was uh i run the veer just like novocaine give it time it always works
1: <laughs> yep i love that line <laughs> awful skinny playbook ain't it run um, six plates split veer just like no give it time always works
0: so you, see this is why I love this dynamic. You bring all the football knowledge, and I bring all the football irreverence. Which we tie it all together, and it, yeah, it all comes together for a show that people listen to. Uh, granted, when it's just me, a lot fewer people listen. Uh, as we were talking, you know, before we started recording about the stats and whatnot. So, by God, I'm glad you're back. If nothing more than for a ratings boost, buddy. This is like hey, it, it, I'm and, happy to help, and, and uh, the despite the the negative feedback and and we're pulling back the curtain here a little bit but you know we got some negative feedback on on that you know top five losses uh because nobody wanted to relive the pain but at the same time that was like sweeps week because we got over we got a thousand more downloads on that than we did the previous one with our top five wins so obviously misery loves company
1: we all have to commiserate, gather, <laughs> bear our souls.
0: Oh, uh, so we've talked uh, about the O line and the the addition of Will Farniak, and maybe it's because I didn't realize or didn't know, or combination of all the above, or knew and forgot that he was an early enrollee. But that was, and and as you said, you know, coming in at a relatively small two sixty. You know, I, I used to be 260 and I didn't consider it small. Uh, but if you're going to play offensive line in the Big Ten, 260 not going to cut it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like you said, hitting, you know, the nutrition table, the perhaps the buffet table uh, and the, the weight room, things like that. Um, it, it's possible. It is very possible that. Next year, we could have two Farniaks, and I think we've talked about this before. But next year, we could have two Farniaks starting on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, and I think I, Matt Farniak obviously showed potential last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to turn into a really good player. And his high school coach, Chad Statham, when I was at the coaches' clinic two years ago in March of 2016, Riley had Statham as a guest speaker at the clinic. He talked about how Will had the potential to be better than Matt and their two older brothers, uh, Derek and Tom, who both played at, you know, one of them played at Iowa State and one of them played at Oklahoma. So, and Will Farniox had died in the Wool Center. He's played that position since he was a little kid. So, and I love when centers play that position their entire life. Oh, sure. There's so many nuances to that position that they have to learn and just things like angles. You know, if an outside linebacker's walked out over the slot, well, that mic slides over, and now that center has a sharper angle that he has to take to get to the mic. So it's just things like that that lifelong centers, dyed-in-the-wool centers understand, and it's no coincidence that Nebraska's greatest successes with offensive lines in our storied history of being O-line U came with having great centers. I mean, the award for the nation's best center is named after a native son and the greatest center who's ever played college football, Dave Remington. Right. So Nebraska has got to have that tip of the spear.
0: I want that to ask arrow you, at
1: the center position to spearhead a dominant running game.
0: I, I, I want to ask you a very hypothetical question. Um, if you had a son who was old enough for Pee Wee football and was not the fastest kid on the team, didn't have the best arm, and let's face it, it's your son, so you're going to groom him to be an offensive lineman anyway. Yeah. Um, Just hope he gets a little height. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they're... they're uh, never mind. Um, if you were to show him, you know, like, go, go on NFL.com or YouTube or something like that, what... Center in the pros, would you say? Watch what he does, and, and I mean, like, obviously you could go through throughout YouTube and find you know Remington and and you know any of the greats, but who's playing the game now uh, that you see and that uh, you really like? You know their center play. Um, man, that does sound dirty. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, you know what? What center out there? Or what centers out there? Do you you know when you're watching a game, and and you're because you're a uh, a Chiefs fan. Uh
1: yes, yeah. yes, tortured soul.
0: Right. So it's it's not a Chiefs game. So you're not you know you're not watching it with bias or or you know the 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 passion that you, you're watching and you're just observing. Uh, who who's who out there is 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 playing some of the best center play that you would show your hypothetical son who does not exist. By the way, ladies, don't worry. Haas does not have any (laughs) illegitimate children. He's saving himself for marriage. He's a good boy. Um, (laughs) there you go. I I think I just got you three phone numbers right there. Three dates lined up, ready to go. Um, you're a man of the people. That's right. Um, I've been bringing people together a long time. Uh, so anyway, back to the, back to the question at hand. Um, what, what centers out there in the in the NFL today are, are, are doing it the best?
1: Well, there are three centers, and they all come from three NFL teams that I just can't effing stand. Uh-oh. Okay? So you got Travis Frederick from Dallas. You know, he's 320 pounds, strong as a bear, fast as a buck, pulls around the perimeter on sweep plays real well, great drive blocker. It's just a thing of beauty to watch the Dallas offensive line, and I can't stand the Cowboys. So. The second one is, um, totally drawn a blank on him, Jason Kelsey from the Philadelphia Eagles. His awesome Super Bowl parade speech notwithstanding, hungry dogs are <laughs> a It's true. Um, he, he's just a great technician. A little bit undersized, just great technician, understands angles, good functional strength, despite not being the biggest guy. And then the third one is the team that I despise the most in the NFL. I'm sorry, Greg. Marquise Pouncey from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are are you kidding? I love watching the Steelers offensive line. I do too. (laughs) Pouncey and DeCastro are – it's like watching Poetry in Motion, watching those guys zone block, down block, pull around the perimeter. I I just – I can't stand Pittsburgh, but anytime I see Pittsburgh on TV, I'm gonna watch because I need to see Pouncey and DeCastro. So those would be uh Frederick, Kelsey, and uh Pouncey are the three best centers in the NFL. I I think Max Unger from the New Orleans Saints, who used to be with the Seattle Seahawks, he's pretty good as well. But um uh, those those three are just I they they play the position the way it was meant to be played.
0: I, I, I I'm I'm tickled to death that that you uh, included Marquise Pouncey in that, uh, uh, you don't and here here's the thing you don't like the team he plays on now you don't like the college he you, you know the school he he played for uh, you know in college, um so he's he's a big O for two but you're right you know what a, and and of course being a Steelers fan those are the games that I I watch uh, and and he and DeCastro, uh and and you know they're they're they got some big boys, you know, and obviously at the NFL level, uh, you know they're they're picking the the biggest, you know, biggest guys, and or I shouldn't say big, you know, but I remember a stat, and you got to go back twenty something years uh, when the the Cowboys had their heyday uh, mm-hmm. in in the nineties, and there was a stat in the Super Bowl about the average. Uh, you know, weight of the starting offensive line, and it was ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the Dallas Cowboy O-line at the time, I think, averaged around 310, 320. Um, and that's just a, a lot of mass uh, up front, and that's, you know, and of course they had playmakers, but yeah, the, that's why they were able to do the things that they were able to do, uh, because they were just moving, they, they had so much humanity that they were just moving defensive lines off the ball almost every snap
1: yeah the great wall of dallas was i love watching on nfl films or even just on youtube that dallas offensive line with those guys just dominant just flat out dominant Couldn't going back and watching old nebraska offensive lines it's we sat through you know Seven years of Barney Cotton and three years of Mike Kevin, and it's enough to bring a tear <laughs> to your eye to see how much how dominant we used to be at that position.
0: Well, let's talk briefly. We mentioned, uh, you know, David DeCastro of the Pittsburgh Steelers, his alma mater, of course, is Stanford, yep. and Stanford uh, boasts a an Omaha, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. We you know Miller right- West. Harrison Phillips. That's right. Uh, who had a standout day at the the combine. Um, did something like what was it like 20 I mean he, he put up he put up the most reps I think of, of any yeah, alignment I
1: think 42 reps at
0: 225. And it's and he did insane. and and also his his forty time was inexplicably low for a a a, a person of that size. I mean, they Stanford does Offensive linemen very well. Uh, they they get them ready for the next level. Uh, he, he's you know like DeCastro, He's an example of that. And you just look for Nebraska. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. This is this is a a, a twofold comment, I guess. Uh, for Nebraska, you you look at what they missed, missing out on local talent. And I, and I love that that you know Scott Frost and and uh, his staff is is going to work harder, you know, harder, probably harder than any coach since Frank Solich, or maybe even, you know, you know, Dr. Tom, uh, to bring in the in-state talent. Um, but at the same time, you wonder with the coaches that were around at that time, if, you know, that kid had gone to Nebraska, would he have turned into the stud that he did, you know, like in that environment, would he have thrived? Uh, I mean, how much of that is just natural, God-given ability, and how much of that is is the, you know, it, it, again, it, it comes back to nature versus nurture. You know, how much of that was was his coming up, and and how much of that was, you know, the the coaching staff, the the strength and conditioning, you know, staff, things like that 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 were there in place for him at Stanford. So I, I don't know. Um, it's it's great for him, I I suppose that he went to Stanford because he's probably a top 10 pick, uh, and it sucks for Nebraska that he went to Stanford. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I obviously I would love to say because of the heartburn of missing out on Harrison Phillips, I would love to say, oh, if he would have came here, he would have been just as good of a player. In reality, probably not. Right. I mean, he's got a great baseline of God-given potential. He's a good athlete. Good player in high school at Millard West, but what's really set him over the edge is what Stanford football is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, good defensive line play, good line play on both sides of the ball, really, and then their strength and conditioning. It just what they, you know, how they build players, especially at a place with some pretty high academic admission requirements. So, if he would have came here, I mean, he probably would have been a Decent player, but I don't think he would have been as just almost dominant as he was at some stretches of last year. So, it's still though, you don't want to lose out on guys like that. We're in a talent deprived state to begin with, in terms of local talent. You got guys like that in your backyard. You got to lock them down. There's it's just you have to lock them down. You can't lose them to other places because we're already behind the eight ball as sure. no natural recruiting base. We have to recruit nationally. So, you get a guy like that within an hour's drive of Lincoln, lock him down. There should be no doubt. Like, other colleges just, other college coaches should just give up on recruiting him because they know they're not going to pull him out of Nebraska.
0: And the, the tough part, you know, if, if you're not able to get your own kids, you know, the kids from your backyard to come, to that I think, unless you're purposefully I don't want to say neglecting them or ignoring them, but that does make the, uh, process more difficult to try to bring in somebody in from Florida, from California, from Texas, from Ohio, uh, to come to Lincoln because of its geographical location. I mean, it's not, you know, it's centrally, centrally located. Yes. But centrally located is not always the best. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not making excuses for past, uh, Coach, I'm I'm saying, like you said, you got to lock down that in-state talent and make sure that you know the uh, Noah fans don't go to Iowa. Uh, the kid from Lincoln from Lincoln doesn't go to Wisconsin. Yep. And and again, credit I, I I I tip my cap to him uh, I because he was obviously overlooked and you know felt unloved or or whatever from the the previous regime. Coach Frost and his staff tried to get in there and make a a last-minute, you know, uh, fourth-quarter push—it it didn't happen, and he honored his commitment. So, I respect that. I don't necessarily like it, uh, but I, I do, you know, respect the You know, so many—you you see it happen all the time. Uh, you know, a young man commits, and then, you know, the, the the wind blows the opposite direction, and and they decommit. It's happened to Nebraska, and it would suck uh you know it, it it does suck you know when you lose someone like a bookie or a joshua moore uh you know those are just two examples from this last recruiting uh, cycle um so but at the same time again i don't i don't blame a 17 18 year old kid for for making the decision for what they you know this, this is more recruiting talking and, and we weren't intending to get into recruiting talk and i've said it before but i don't know it doesn't necessarily blame them for making a decision they think you know it, w- it will affect them for the rest of their lives and if they feel like they have a better situation you know somewhere else or that they can you know be a bigger boost to get them where they want to be to get them to achieve their goal then it is what it is and you know next man up you know where the end and, and where with pride uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. Like you said, got to lock down that in-state talent. And then by doing so, you create the atmosphere that, you know, people, the, the kids in, in Nebraska want to go to Nebraska. The surrounding states, I think, can feed off that energy. And then you have the Colorados, the Missouris, the Kansases, if there are any good players in Kansas, I don't know, um, South Dakotas. You know, you, you can you – can Build off that and, and, and get that 500 mile radius back going again. And you can, you know, not lose St. Louis kids to Illinois of all damn places, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know. It, but like you said, it starts at home. And, and, and I do like this approach that uh, Scott Frost and his staff are taking.
1: Right, you too. Because, with, although I mentioned that we're in a bit of a talent deprived area the state of Nebraska there are still enough raw athletes for lack of a better term that with enough work in the weight room during strength and conditioning in a red shirt year there's there's clay to be molded you know there's something well, sure. to work with at least. and so now that we have a strength and conditioning staff that has some teeth they're allowed to hold players accountable on like the uh, you know, the previous regime under Sean course of kind of taking away the teeth, basically neutering the coach, the coaching staffs, and of both football and strength and conditioning from holding players accountable. You have a staff that's now able to hold players accountable without fear of reprisal from the administrative level, and you get guys in the weight room, you get them squatting a lot of weight. You know, you mix in some. Deadlifts, some bench press. You know, you work in some movement drills to really work lateral movement and explosion. And so, you put it all together, and you build a player. Might it's gonna take two, three, sometimes four years. You're not gonna see guys on the field until they're fourth year juniors, maybe fifth year seniors. But you have able, you know, some able bodied players in the pipeline to draw upon if needed. If you strike out, um, you know, trying to recruit a really highly ranked offensive line. So, especially at that position, because it's kind of like the Bill Parcells big person theory, with, pertaining to nose guards and pass rushers being paid so much in the NFL. Well, there's only so many people on earth with that size and that speed, and they deserve to be paid for that uncommon commodity. That sure. They have. Same thing with offense. Really good offensive linemen. There's only so many of them at that size, strength, you know, athletic ability. That everyone's going to want them. The you know, it's a precious commodity. So you have to have something in your back pocket that you can utilize if you strike out on recruiting. Say Foster Cheryl from a few years ago. You well, know, you got guys in the wings that have been toiling in the weight room for a few years, and by the time they're Fourth year junior, or fifth year senior, they might have it all put together that they can be a starter for a year or two.
0: And I kind love stopgap
1: measure, and they can be decent at doing it.
0: And I love that that mentality too. Is yeah, you know what? You might be a, a walk on, you know, or preferred walk on, or a two star, something like that. Um, I don't think any one stars are actually signing letters of intent and giving scholarships. I think I was a one star. Uh, coming out of my high school, uh, and we didn't even have football. I'm just saying that's that's about where where one stars are at. Um, but like you said, I mean, if you're a fourth year, junior, fifth year, senior, something like that, by the time that you're you know on the field, maybe as a starter or as you know the you know coming in you know as a backup after an injury, something like that, well, you're not 18, 19 anymore. You're twenty two, possibly twenty. You're a man.
1: Grown-ass man.
0: Grown-ass man, and you've been in, in in the program for four or five years. Uh, you sure as shit better have a beard like Gandalf at that point. Um,
1: Chew tobacco in your spare time, eat a lot of chicken wings, you know.
0: And, all right, I, I don't know if we've had this conversation. I hope we have. If not, we're going to have it. I think we have had this conversation. When you look at an offensive lineman – or I'll even go defensive line, but offensive lineman more so. Would you rather see a beard or long flowing locks out the back of the helmet?
1: Big ass beard.
0: See, and and, and my go-to, in, and and I'll, I'll use this from the defensive side is Brett Kiesel. Yep. I mean that was magnificent. That was Mr. That was Mr. Holland's opus of beards. Um. And and we don't see that anymore. Now we, get, you know, we got guys with, with uh, you know, uh, man buns. Gl- yeah, and and Goldilocks. And come on now, uh, I'm not saying you can't have long hair, but you better better get a beard going with it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, when Cameron Jurgens takes the field, I want him to have patchy, bright red beard. He's got to distinguish himself from Scott Frost somehow. I'm going with the beard that, that's what I'm anyway um, what the hell else we need to talk about Off we talked about the offensive line uh, probably at this point when we're talking about beards and and hair more than people like you know at, they, they've tuned us out but uh, where are we going next toss? Um, kind of covered it all right uh, yeah. And, uh, and baseball won tonight. We, we hoped to have Keith on the show. I'm going to check Slack one more time just to see if maybe we missed him. I think he fell asleep. Poor guy. Um, I'm going to let you check Slack because I think you probably have a better internet connection. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Husker baseball team beat, uh, I believe, Ohio State uh, 7-2 to or 7-3. to I know the recap is up on coordination.com. Uh, courtesy of Keith, and uh, we we're going to get him on eventually. He was down uh, to record tonight. I just don't know if he was down for the time. Uh, you know that that ten o'clock, ten fifteen start time is whew, that's uh, that's pushing it for us old timers, Hoss. I know you're a young <laughs> whipper. I know you're a young whippersnapper yet, but uh, uh, I'm I, I'm about ready to get in my easy chair and and take a little snooze. Um,
1: yeah, no response from Keith, so.
0: All right, well, that's okay. He's he's sacked out. Um, final thoughts?
1: Football season can't come soon enough.
0: It really I'm, can't.
1: I'm climbing the walls here. I mean, you can watch a lot of film. You can do a little research in the offseason to learn, you know, continue to learn. Because, I mean, I treat even as just a fan and, you know, aspiring coach wanting to get into coaching. I treat the off season just as players and coaches in a program do. Once the off season hits, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna fill the time with learning something new, you know, that I can apply to next season when I'm watching film. So
0: And you're hitting the That's where a lot of the
1: development takes place, but man, I need a live game. It's just whew.
0: Well the good news is I believe I don't think twenty nineteen, although it could be up twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. I can't remember. Uh, have you heard about the American Association of Football or something like that?
1: I did, and you know what? I will unabashedly watch it. I will watch the XFL when it comes back. I just give me give me football.
0: He just give me football. Um, by the time, okay, so this will drop. Uh, obviously, you know before. The national championship game. We don't know who's playing in the national championship game yet because the final four games take place uh, this Saturday night. Tonight, um, who who do you like in the in in the final four?
1: You know, I want to see Loyola win. Oh, absolutely! Both, but at the same time, as a Nebraska ball fan, I would like to see a Michigan Kansas national championship game just so we can kind of sit all of us in Nebraska and points, you know, scattered away from Nebraska can kind of sit real smugly on that Monday night and just kind of say to ourselves, you know, we beat one team by 20 and we lost to the other team by one. We should have won that game. Yep. Yet they still left. And Penn State went in the NIT, a team that Nebraska beat as well. And yet we didn't have any quadrant one wins. And We weren't good enough to make the tournament. And so... Just the vindictiveness in me is coming out at oh, this sure. point. I, yeah, I just want to see a Nebraska ball tournament win one of these years.
0: It, you know what? Uh, 2019. I, I think I said it last week. I'm saying it now. Write it down. Nebraska ball is going to be in the NCAA tournament and win at least a game next year. I'm calling it now. I think I called it last week, but as, as we learned earlier, nobody heard it. So... <laughs> <laughs> if that happens,
1: we better start commissioning somebody to build a statue of Tim Miles.
0: It, uh, y- you know what? I don't. I'll start the GoFundMe, um, and we'll make it happen. I don't know if we have to clear it with. I don't know if you have to. D- does the university own Pinnacle Bank Arena? No, that'd be.
1: It's a so, municipal.
0: Okay, so yeah. we don't necessarily have to get any permission to sneak in one night and just drop it at center court. No,
1: I think we just kind of do our thing. Sweet. And, you know, leave there and, I've got to pick you know, up. I'll, I'll talk to some of the architecture students, architecture and design students at UNO, see if they want to commission uh-huh. it for a case of Keystone Light or whatever horrible beer the, <laughs> the kids are.
0: Doing. All right, come on. You you can't bust too many chops when you're drinking Coors Banquet. Hey,
1: it's it's the beer of King's <laughs> Cattle Baron.
0: It's, it's the beer of the King of Queens. It, it's the beer of Kevin James. All right, I don't want to hear it. <laughs>
1: Oh man,
0: that show was awful. It, it wasn't that bad. Come on now, Pat Oswalt, good good times. Uh, yeah, Jerry i still yeah Jerry Stiller. It is it a good show. It, it, it was it was better than it deserved to be, for as long as it ran. So, all right, uh, that does it for uh, this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Remember that you can. You thought I was going to jump straight to the end? Nay, nay. Uh, you can find. I was going to say. Remember, you can find the uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean, as well as, and this one came to us from our coordination uh, buddy, David McGee. He said, have you tried the Overcast app? I said, no, I haven't. So I downloaded the Overcast app. Lo and behold, the 5 Heart Podcast is available on that as well. He claims it's the best podcast app. I have on my phone now four podcast apps, and I download the five heart podcast on all of them just to get four more downloads on the damn show Uh, because eventually this thing is going to take off and we're going to be number one. I mean, we're already the number one podcast on coordination.com. I don't really know it. We're the number one Husker podcast on JitteryMonkey.com. I really don't know where else we can go from there. Uh, but we appreciate everybody uh, who listens. That's you, the listener, uh, and we appreciate it when you hit that share button on Twitter when you see the tweet out. It helps get more people, uh, you know, exposed to uh, the show, and and that's always uh, you know a big thing. We hey, we don't make any money on this. We don't have any advertisers, as you know. Uh, we don't. We're just doing this for fun. We're doing it for kicks, and we're doing it because. Uh, John at Coronation said that if I didn't start doing a podcast again he was going to throw me out and I was going to lose my Slack chat room access and email access and so here we are Uh, if you hate the show, blame John, it's his fault if you love the show, thank John he gets all the credit for that and if you love the show, it's probably because of my co-host, Haas Reuter Haas, as always buddy, thank you uh, for staying up late uh, and and chatting some Husker goodies with me, I uh, look forward to doing it again very soon.
1: Oh, absolutely! Don't twist my arm too hard to have me talk offensive line playing Husker football on March thirtieth.
0: And I was going to ask uh, when you were talking about the off season, real quick before we go, do you ever just find yourself wanting to get uh, the old pigskin out and, and, and you know with with a buddy or so and just just play a little little toss in the off season.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually one of those things that it always reaches a point in the off season where I'm like, I just need to throw a football around. Well, and, just- except my friends kind of shy away from it because I'm always trying to get them to run a route. You know, I've also kind of thought about joining flat intramural flag football league at UNO, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm an offensive lineman in a five foot ten, hundred and ninety five pound body. I can't run routes, you know. I'm not I'm not a receiver or running back and the other thing is I'd probably end up trying to coach <laughs> well, the entire team to set plays and trying to get them to learn the nomenclature.
0: Well, a good flag football, uh, so, you know, team needs a, needs a leader, needs a coach, needs somebody to, you know, hold the clipboard and and blow the whistle and organize things. I I think if you, I, if anybody's going to be that flag football coach, it's going to be you, Haas.
1: Yeah, I'll sh- I'll stop sh- you know wearing the high crown visor like Steve Spurrier you know oh, even no. though I hate visors but that was the first thing that came to mind you know to be a passing league no running plays and yeah I I'd, I'd be standing out there calling out plays and signaling stuff in like it was the fourth quarter for the national championship yeah.
0: Well, if you're ever absolutely desperate to to play catch with uh, the football, drive to Illinois, come to my house. We'll we'll play catch for an afternoon, and then we'll go get some award-winning barbecue just up the street.
1: Sounds good. I'll bring the Coors Banquet. Oh,
0: God. I'm already regretting this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, again, uh, jittery coordination.com. And I've already told you where all you can find it. Don't forget. You can follow us on Twitter at the number five heart podcast. You can like us on Facebook and interact with, with us there as well at uh, facebook.com slash five heart podcast. Just search five heart podcast. It's, uh, the monkey, uh, in this, and it's only a monkey because it's the jittery monkey podcast network all the logos are monkey incorporated don't give me shit he's throwing the bones that's all you need to know uh and that's the logo that when you see that you know that you're in for uh some some good times some laughs uh and a a coors banquet reference or 17 uh so for Haas reuter i'm greg mahachko reminding you uh, this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need go big red
1: Win the damn off season.
0: This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast
1: Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.